Smith hands to Simonton. Simonton around the corner. Is he going to score? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Damn Podcast with your host, Marcus Greaves and Angie Machano, of, again, of course. Angie, uh, the Beavers just finished week one of practice. What kind of what things do you want to see in week two? Because, you know, obviously growth is a big thing for this team, and everybody, including myself, wants to see some sort of growth. But what do you think is the biggest step that they need to take in this week two? Week two is it's huge because they're going to be you know installing more of the offense. It's not it's no longer you know getting them comfortable and such. This is starting to the install process. And after seeing the scrimmage and seeing a few practices, I need my number one takeaway is that we need to see some consistency at quarterback because we've seen you know some days Connor Blount looks good, some days Jake Luton looks good. Jack uh, Jack Coletto has had his moments and has grown a ton since spring ball. But not, not one of those guys has stood up and grabbed that position outright. And uh, something needs to, to shake out there pretty soon. Yeah, especially like we said in this last episode, that you just don't want it to go on too long. You want to kind of have your guys set in stone, at least within the next week or two. So, you know, you can get the first team offense up running. You can get the second team offense up running. But realistically, you just don't want to leave any question, really. And you really want to see a guy just go out and grab the spot, like you said, just run out there, get the spot, make the plays that you need to make. Because realistically, like we were talking before, you know, you don't really need a guy at quarterback who's going who's gonna to be the best player on the field by far. You know, you just need a guy who does the right things, make the right decisions. even if And manages the game. Exactly. And he can just manage the game and get the offense moving. Because, you know, the offense has been pretty stagnant in, in these last couple seasons. And you just want to see a big step. But... I think offensively, obviously, it's the quarterback. Angie, what what do you want to see defensively? The defensive line. And, you know, they, we've talked about it, and it's been the big – kind of the big question. And, you know, losing Jeremy Reichner even just for a few games this season, you know, he was looking super, super good. That that was totally bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, he was, I just feel you know, like Oregon State can never catch a break. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was really coming on strong and um, – you know, look to kind of be that leader uh, that Oregon State was kind of needing on the defensive line. You know, Elu does not look like he's in the best overall shape to be like an every down defensive tackle. Obviously, that won't happen. Um, Kalani Vakamelalo is looking okay, but they just don't have the depth. Um, so the defensive line is still, um, you know, I, I just don't know about the bodies. You know, yeah. on, on Saturday at the scrimmage, I thought Isaac Hodgins did a, a good job. He's undersized, but, you know, that's the type of MO Oregon State's had success with, you know, down the, you know, in the past with an undersized tackle. He's athletic. He can move well. So he's definitely one that I can watch, but they don't have that big, deep defensive line that, you know, maybe two, three deep that they can really rotate guys in and out. But that's, um, you know, a takeaway. I, I thought the defense or the linebackers looked good. They were able to rush some off the edge. I mean, I think the first two series of the scrimmage, it was, uh, Luton and Coletto were running the offenses, and they were three and outs, both of them. So the defense was getting pressure um, off the edge. So that was that was a positive, but that D line needs to really kind of come together, solidify, and and make some plays this fall. Yeah, and Angie, 
you know, it's been it's been like this, I think, the last couple seasons where the defense has looked really good at the beginning. And, you know, the defense is – I feel like they've always been athletic. They've always been good. But they haven't really been understanding their assignments, um, whether that be at defensive back, at linebacker, defensive line. But does it look like they're starting to grow a little bit when it at least comes to the scheme of things? They do. They, they, look, um, they look more like a team, I'll tell you that much. They look like what we're seeing is football. Um, they seem to understand their their um, position and their assignments. That part was was refreshing to see. So um, you know, we finished week one, and obviously, you know, the coaches weren't giving us um, the fans and the media during the scrimmage. I don't even think they were really playing first team, second team a lot. I mean, they were mixing guys up so much. Um, but the defense as a whole, and you know, like I, I looked at my husband at one point and said, you know. I would take any day of the year of, of any day having the defense be ahead of the offense at this point during fall camp. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that part was, was refreshing to see. And, and they did, they made tackles. Um, they, they looked a lot better than we've seen in the past, but you're right. I mean, there's been athletes on defense and the defense the last year or two has not necessarily been the problem in that, they'll start off strong and then they fall apart because they're on the field the whole game. Yeah, and nobody, obviously nobody can, you know, hold it against the defense if they're holding guys to, you know, 7 to 14 points in the first half and then come second half they get blown out because the offense can't produce. But I think this is a huge step just for Coach Smith and his staff because at the end of the day, he has been doing the right things. They have been you you see the growth, but I think it has to be week by week and it can't just be, you know, maybe one day the team looks really good and then the next day they don't like I think it did with the previous staff. There's times where I thought we looked really good as a team and I was super confident in our abilities and then the next day we'd come out and look horrible. And so I yeah, think the yeah, it's thing, consistency. Yeah. And that's what you know, Coach Smith is he talks about it with quarterback play, but I think you're right. It's as a whole, this team needs to play consistent. Yeah, and if I think if Coach Smith can, you know, obviously improve them every week with the fundamental work that they have, as well as well as just keeping them as a team and having and keeping them having fun in the game, I think they're going to be fine. It's just, you know, the defensive line has to improve, like you said. The quarterback situation has to be figured out sooner than later, but. Um, you know, it seems like some of the times we focus too much on maybe the negatives, but at the end of the day, you know. Whether the players like to hear it or not, you just have to hold the team accountable. You have to hold everybody accountable, and I think that's exactly what Coach Smith is doing. Um, but let's flip it over to the to the scrimmage, Angie. You were there. I unfortunately didn't wasn't able to make it. Um, who are some players who stood out to you offensively and defensively? You know, Marcus, I, I, you've probably seen the the reports in the lodge and at Beaver Blitz, but the freshmen wowed. I mean, honestly, the, my two takeaway top players from the scrimmage were both offensive players in running back Jamar Jefferson and wide receiver uh, Josiah Irish. True freshmen that came out and balled. And fun to see um, Jamar Jefferson ran like a man, just took off, bulldozed people, ran right over them. Um, really strong runner, was able to break tackles, and uh, it was very fun to watch. Yeah, that, that kid is unbelievable. I watched the video of it, and not only did he break a couple tackles and <laughs> realistically run over some guys, but he outran <laughs> the defensive backs that were chasing him. Like That's an all-around back. That's exactly what you want to see, and especially him coming in, I'm guessing 17 to 18 years old, playing against these uh, early 20s guys and 
just manhandling him. It's unbelievable to watch. I'm excited to see him. I think he's not only going to push the running back group, but he'll push AP because I think um, Coach Petrie really wants to see the competition, and competition brings the best out of everybody. Unlike we've seen so far in the quarterback spot, I think at the running back spot, um, he's going to push AP like I just said and force AP to grab that starting spot instead of just have it handed to him, which is huge. Well, it, it's interesting, Marcus. You know, what's your take on that as a former player? Um, you know, you're out with an injury, and now you have this young gun coming, and he's looking really good. What? I mean, take, take us through that. Realistically, you get pissed off because you want to be out there and you want to make the plays. And honestly, you you know, nobody's going to say it, but you want the media to be talking about you. They want you. And, you know, obviously every player wants to be the spotlight, but some players have to understand the roles. But, you know, Angie, realistically, it's just if someone is going to outperform you, then you just have to respond with your play. You know, there's no point in, in tweeting out at people, you know, firing back if they say, you know, I know there's a couple times that someone tweeted that I couldn't block very well instead of me tweeting back at him saying, you know, well, I don't know what this guy's talking about. I'm a great blocker, whatever it is. I knew I wasn't a good blocker. So what I do, I had to obviously <laughs> become a good blocker to get some <laughs> playing time. I mean, I think the guys now are just, and I think Coach Smith is shaping it in the right direction, but that's what I always say that the guys are going to make the change. It's not the coaches. And outside noise is something that you know as an athlete you're going to get, and there's going to be people who you consider haters, or there's going to be people you consider as ignorant when it comes to understanding the game, whatever it is, but... You know, if if someone like Amy can see that, then obviously it's true because it's not the fact that, you know, maybe Amy, they think Amy doesn't like him or whatever that is. It's the fact that she's there and she sees it and she sees that he's performing well. He's performing better than any other guy. They just don't understand that yet, I think. And I think. And, and the problem is, I mean, as much as, you know, injuries suck. Bottom line, they do. But at the same time, the team can't just go on hold and wait for somebody to heal and be back from injury. Yeah, they can't. Um, you know, it, it's, you, you go forward. And, and, you know, some of these guys, regardless of position, that are out and having some younger guys or some different players step up and kind of, you know, open some eyes. Well, then when they get back and they're healthy, it you know, it, it's full speed well, ahead. that's what they you need. need. It's just spot. killer uh mentality and i i yeah, think a lot yeah. of the players need to adopt that say you know maybe elu i think elu's a great player elu has all the potential in the world you know he has all the pieces it's just the fact when you know when it comes time to it he has to make the plays i think he can make the plays he just has to make them but if he's not going to make them then they're going to bring someone else in you know coach lockett um, former Oregon State running back coach always told us when he was going out recruiting, he's trying to find the next, maybe he's trying to find the next Marcus Greaves, trying to find the next Ryan Nall, trying to find the next Artavis Pierce. He's trying to find someone to replace you, and that's what the coaches yep. are always doing. And it, That's what all the coaches are doing, and, and they'll tell. I mean, they'll tell the players. That. Yeah, and that's what it's for. It's to keep you, you know, it's not to, it's to make it so you're not comfortable and put you out of your yep. comfort zone and make you play at a higher level than you've ever played. That's why, you know, players at Oregon leave so often. Or when there's a quarterback, <laughs> right? Well, it's just realistic. Yeah, you know? no, like, it's true. It's true. Like, if you bring in a guy who's just unbelievable like De'Anthony Thomas, right, then another guy who is the same position is obviously not going to play as much. And so yeah, if he's yeah. not going to step up to that competition, then he's going to want to leave. And I think that's the thing a lot of the times is that in college football now, if you if you don't get named the starter, you leave. 
and instead of work hard instead of work hard and do something about it you know like there's obviously exceptions for guys who transfer everyone transfers for different reasons but you see it all around the country if you're not a starter and you think you should be a starter you're gonna leave and go somewhere else it's just well everybody thought Jalen Hurts now would would leave Alabama and and, and he's still there you know I I respect him for that exactly and he's just he's a competitor he wants to win you know he because damn Oregon State could use a guy like Jalen Hurts right now (laughs) that'd be nice that'd be (laughs) I don't know if we've ever had a quarterback who's been really that athletic and, <laughs> frankly, bigger than almost everybody on the field. But that would be uh, that would be that'd be something crazy. But you know, you just that's what I'm saying. It's just I think from a player's perspective, you just want to see competition and you just want to yeah. like you just want to get back on the field as as quickly as possible and make the biggest impact you can for your team. Like for me, when I got injured, I knew when I was coming back. Obviously, Nall was probably going to be the starter, but I was going to push him as much as I could. But, yeah, yeah. And then the coaches would say, "Hey Marcus, we need you really bad on on kick return. We really need we I mean, we really need you on punt return." I'm thinking to myself, "Damn, I think I'm good enough to run the ball, but if that's what they need me to do in order for us to win, then we're going to do it." And yeah, I'm going to yeah. do it. And I think that's the mentality that they all need to have, but um it's crazy that the that the freshmen are really honestly sticking out over everybody. I'm kind of I'm kind of excited for it. That's that's the kind of stuff you want to see, and that's what a lot of it, It's fun. Yeah, I mean, and if I'm an Oregon State fan, I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, I mean, those two guys right there, Jamar and Josiah, were both guys picked up in January from Coach Smith and his staff." And that's so huge. you're like, okay, that's a huge step. Yeah, those are the they, kind of guys you're going to start getting. Exactly. So, um, you know, and Jamar did. He picked up a USC officer offer late and a Tennessee offer. Um, Josiah was pretty under recruited, but I remember talking with Brandon Huffman about him and you know, fast. He's super fast and. And that's Oregon State needs that, but he's shown really good body control and in good hands. So um, he's really kind of stood out the past, you know, two or three days of practice. So um, fun to see. And then defensively, we talked a bunch now about offense, but defensively, I do want to give some of those guys a shout out because the linebackers were impressive and guys like Anjay, Key, um, some big time plays there. Um, Jonathan Willis had a big play. So the linebackers looked very good on Saturday. Angie, was there any point in uh the scrimmage that they that the defense really like dominated uh, not dominated as in you know three and out but dominated as in knocking balls down or really just forcing turnovers because I think that's what Oregon State's defense has been lacking more than anything is just the ability to to uh force a turnover you know I I don't have all the stats in front of me but yes they you know there was a lot more um aggression on defense I saw um I don't think and, and you know, I, I think I don't think we saw the speed at which um, Smith wants the offense to run at, which that would you know dictate some. I mean, they didn't you know have tons of plays you know hurry up. They didn't do a lot of the hurry up, um, but the defense did. I mean, they like I said, the first two two series were three and outs, so that was that was fun to see. But there were some um, contested balls, yes, um, and like I said, I guess I was looking more at the quarterback play and. Maybe I should have been looking more at the defensive play. Instead of being disappointed with the quarterback play, maybe it was better defensive play. Well, and see, that's a huge step. You know, it's the defense is growing. The defense is getting better. There's guys that we haven't seen play before are starting to get to play a lot. You want to see that. You want to see the growth on defense. Offensively, like you said, the young guys showing up just already shows growth because it shows that yeah, yeah. Smith is – because when you come in right away, obviously you're not going to be the best player. And Jefferson obviously had to put in some work over the summertime in order to get to the point where he is now. And so I think you can't, and obviously you can't always put that on the coach, can't always put that on Smith. 
but he obviously has a big uh, big part in it. And so that's something you really like to see that they know how to develop players and you want to see them continue to develop players. And so eventually they could hopefully be great. And that's what yeah. we're obviously we're yeah. all hoping for. But um, is there any young guy on defense really that stood out? Because I know we talked a little bit just in general about the defense, but was there any uh, freshman that stood out to you besides, I think you said Hodgins, didn't you? I did, yeah. Isaac Hodgins, um, he, he was one that I circled. Um, what else did I circle? You know, one of the question marks I still have is at center. So um, that's, that's one that I'm still, you know, we've seen some Yanni, we've seen Sumner, so still a little question mark there. Um, he's not a true freshman, but um, Jeffrey Manning is still one that um, I've been impressed with. Um, who else? He on? They're not. <laughs> he's flat like, out. Like the key. You know, and then talking quarterbacks, you know, I thought um, Aiden Willard, who is not in the top three discussion right now, but, you know, he had two nice, nice uh, touchdown throws. So that was, that was, you know, fun to see. Of Case Rogers, that's another freshman, though, on yes. offense. He is, um, uh, he's been good. The one practice I went to that I got a witness in play, uh, he definitely, he, I think he took a, an outside zone, like 70 yards to the house. So I was really impressed. He has some speed on him. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, I mean, just fun to watch, too. He's going to be one that we see, gosh, like true freshman, though, um, and defense. Yeah, Little Hodgins. I call him Little Hodgins just because he's younger <laughs> brother. But um, Isaac Garcia, I mean, he's he's a redshirt freshman now, and it seems like we've talked about him for years now. Um, but he actually played well, too. He was one that kind of stood out. I had, I had him circled on my list, too. Perfect. Yeah, that's a good so. scrimmage. Obviously, you, um, Coach Smith just wants to show the crowd that <laughs> I'm guessing that he just wants to show them that there is progress. And yes, like we, and you don't want to give too much away. Yeah, and like we talked last time, it's just if you bring like if you bring the field back to Oregon State, that's a that's the great thing about Oregon State is that if you bring the family feeling back to it, then you're going to get the support that you want. And obviously, uh, Coach Smith being who he is and what he did for the for the football program and the school. You know, he he's a play I mean he's he was just one of the players, obviously, and he wants to bring the culture back, which is huge, and he's doing that. And I always tell people the biggest thing is when you get a new coach, if you bash him right away with everything he's doing and you're not gonna support him, then you might as well just not support the team, right? Because even yeah, with Coach yeah. Anderson and the and he didn't have success, I think you had to support him at first because you don't like you're basically just wanting him to fail, which is never good. You don't want a guy. I mean, you never wish for that on somebody. But I just think with the culture that Coach Smith is bringing back and the support that he has, I mean, Oregon State is about to take off again like they did um, earlier in, I mean, early 2000s and obviously 2010, I think it was with Sean and Brandon and Marcus and all those guys. Just it's just the support and it's the brotherhood that Oregon State has and the culture that when you bring that back players are going to see that and players are going to want to come in because like we've talked before when you get when it comes to recruiting wise at least like there's no there's no way we should get Brandon Cooks over UCLA right yeah yeah if it's just Corvallis so there had to be something else in there and those are the big steps that I think he's taking that not many people are talking about because a lot of people have been focused on well why can't he get a quarterback why can't he get this why can't he get that and if I'm a recruit and I'm looking at Oregon State right now, I'm looking and saying, wow, these guys only won one game. Like, I do not want to go there. I don't want to waste my time, and I don't want to waste my eligibility at a place that might not be successful. 
But then you start seeing the growth, you start seeing the fun that everyone's having, you start to see the actual culture of Corvallis, and you see that Coach Smith is bringing it back. That's something I want to be a part of. And Yeah, and that's, you know, it's interesting. So Amy and I were talking about this. Um, I was down last week for practice as well. And, and to be able to sit there, you know, the last staff, it was all closed to the media. Families weren't around. Um, to see, like, coaches' wives and little kids there hanging out. After practice, there's the interviews going on. But then you have little kids running around. You have players playing catch with, like, the coaches' kids. Um, it felt like Oregon State again. And, you know, I, I mentioned I, I stopped and there was an autograph se- session. And, and I'll say, you know, this is going to be baby steps. This isn't going to be like go 1-11 and 11 last year and all of a sudden the Beavs are, you know, bull bound this year. I'd be mm-hmm. awesome, but it's not going to happen that quickly, I don't believe. Um, but like you said, the culture is changing. And, and to talk to these players at this autograph session, there wasn't a good turnout at that scrimmage on Saturday. Not at all. Um I think so many diehard loyal Beaver fans are just taking this kind of wait and see. Um, we talked about it at Beaver Blitz and that this could be a low point, a 20 year low point as far as, you know, fan support and, and where the program's at. But I do see this turning around and, and the, the smiles on the players' faces. I was, I was snapping. I got so many good pictures just because the attitude was good and they were happy. And I talked to a couple guys that had been there a while and, you know, said I, a couple actual seniors, like fifth year seniors who had been through Riley, then Anderson, and now through Smith. And to hear them say that it's back to feeling like Oregon State and the family, that's huge. It's huge. It's, it is huge because you, nobody wants to go somewhere where it's not fun. And we always, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about it, and I'm sure every listener is probably tired of hearing it. Yeah. But I mean, I, I just think we can't stress it enough. But, you know, even if it's a low point at Oregon State right now with the crowd turnout, I think when the when the players obviously buy in, which I think they have, um, and when everyone buys in, and we start to see, you know, maybe instead of a sack or two a game, it goes to maybe win one or two more games in a season, and then eventually bowl game, and then eventually maybe, hopefully, obviously compete for a um, a spot in the championship game for the conference. But it's just the baby steps, and I think once you once everyone is on board with this kind of vision that Coach Smith has, it can only get better. And, yeah. I mean, let's be realistic. Oregon State is not good right now. I saw a winning percentage that they had um, on, I think it was like College Football Nation or something like that. Oregon State had, I think, the third to lowest winning percentage. And so, obviously, they're, we're at an all-time low point, but what's the point of, you know, maybe not supporting? Obviously, nobody wants to watch their team get blown out. I hate it. Trust me, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan and the Cleveland Browns fan, but <laughs> there's just no point in bashing something like this because it it's going to work out. And I know a lot of people said that about Coach Anderson, but look at it. Like, just look at it from, I mean, I guess you guys can't see my point of view, but if you see it from my point of view and I was inside and got to see everything, it's it's just so much different. And the fact that the players are even smiling with no crowd, like, that's huge. Because I remember Coach Anderson's first spring game, I had a great game, and I was—I still wasn't even happy. I didn't even have fun. Uh, completely yeah. honest, I didn't have fun at all. And the crowd was huge. I had a huge turnout. We actually looked pretty dang good, but it just—it just didn't feel right. You know, none of the players had fun. I know we just didn't have fun. It just wasn't how it was. So the flip the the process is going to be a is might be long. Maybe it's two wins, three wins this season, but it's coming. And yeah, as long as yeah. everyone can stay on board and not basically be a hater the whole time, you're gonna. I think you'll be happy to see the flip. I mean the 
the team flip and the whole culture flip when it does, or now that it yeah. is. And the, and the culture is flipped. Yeah, I think the culture is flipped. And um, the, the teaching that's going on now, um, and, and to see, you know, Coach Tibisar, we were sitting on the on the old side. Media was sitting over on the other side by the defense at the scrimmage. And, you know, to watch him and Coach Bray get into it on the sidelines and, you know, um, and the teaching. You know, they were constantly, guys would rotate in and out, and they were pulling them aside and teaching them right there, then and there on the spot. So um, totally different vibe. And like I said, to see the guys smiling and to actually hear them say, um, yeah, this is, it's back to Beaver football. Yeah. That's huge. Angie, is it time for some damn questions? I think it is time for some damn questions. All right. I can start us off if you want. I really like this question. I think it's a, I mean, it's a, Kind of, there's more than one question question. in the question, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. This is from Beavs for Life. Was it me or was Key running with the twos in the scrimmage while Hammercar and Andre Hughes Murray ran with the ones? Question mark. Yes. Like Angie, you just said, I mean, there was really no first string, second string. It was kind of just throw everybody in just so obviously you can get different looks. They don't want to give everything away, I'm guessing. And, um, you know, I mean, honestly, it's fall camp. You're not going to, it's the beginning of fall camp. You're not going to have a set in stone. Who's your ones and who's your twos. You're going to toss everyone in the mix and see what, what groups work better with others and whatever that may be. But yeah. And, and, you know, I asked coach Smith that last week when I was was in Corvallis and, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, just the, the, and he said right now they are just, they're working to get the best 22 guys on the field. So it's a matter of mixing them up, see who plays well together, um, and just kind of see what they can do. So I, I would imagine, Marcus, you can probably answer this a little better, but probably by the end of this week, going into week three, is when we'll see them kind of start to settle into first string, second string. Yep, exactly. That's usually how solidifying it goes. that. Yeah. yeah. And then the next part of the question is, how is Irish not starting, and is Jefferson the next great OSU back? Uh I would say just obviously like we were just talking about when it comes to starters, they're not going to really plan them out until or set them in stone until maybe week three. But Irish is definitely making a case for himself to start. Like Angie, just uh, Angie, like you just said, they're going to put the best players on the field. And so if Irish proves that he's the best player at that spot, then he's going to start. It's not really seniority or however else it used to be. It's if you're the best player, we're going to put you out there. And, and this is what I like about this new redshirt rule because those guys can play up to like four games. You yeah, know, that's huge. Throughout oh my the season, goodness. so it's huge to be able to see them and say, you know, get some game experience. And you know, some guys might need a little more development to feel comfortable in that, and other guys are going to thrive in it. So we are going to see freshmen, but he is definitely one that I think we see playing this and year. Is Jefferson, the next great OSU back. That is a bold. Oh my gosh, there's my been friend. so good one. That is so bold <laughs> yeah. because. Gosh, you know, you want to talk good. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that's a lot. I, I actually asked Coach Petrie this on media today, and I just, I just said, big expect, you have big expectations for Jefferson. And, and he, he didn't even want to say he did. You know, he said expectations that he will come in and work hard, yes. Does he have a lot of talent? Yes. But you don't want to do that to a poor, a true freshman, to, yeah. you know, heap. That he's going to be the next Ken Simonton or the next Steven Jackson. But I think the biggest thing know. is just when – when you put those kind of expectations on somebody, say, you know, if you put the, like, after my spring game I had uh, with Coach Anderson the first time, I had a lot of, you know, a lot of people had a lot of hype around me. They were saying, Marcus, are you going to be, obviously, 
Is it going to be you and Nall? Like, how is this going to go? Like, are you going to start over Storm? Like, what's going on? And, you know, you kind of buy into that and you don't want to buy into that, especially as a true freshman. If you buy into the hype, then obviously the expectation is going to be through the roof. My advice to Jefferson, if he, you know, I think he has all the talent in the world to be the next great OSU back, just stay humble, stay working hard, because you can never be too good and you can never, you know, never not stop learning. So just keep learning, keep understanding the game, keep playing how he plays, because if he does, then obviously he's going to let us play do the talking and not obviously let his mouth do the talking. That's the most important exactly. thing. And, and you look at those the, the good backs that Oregon State has had, and one of the things that stands out the most with those guys is just their work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Jaquiz Rogers, the Ken Simontons, you know, Stephen Jacksons. Yeah, you just you just don't want to buy into the hype. Don't, you know, get the kid's head too big where he thinks he's better than everybody else, which I don't think he's like that, but you obviously you never know. It, it can flip, you know, in a heartbeat where a player all of a sudden is, you know, Des Bryant, and you don't want that. You know, you want a guy who's going to stay humble, who just wants to work hard like Brandon Cooks. So, yep. um, that's that whole question. That was a great question. I actually really That was a good it. question. I have one on um, Beaver Blitz from HK007. Um, and we've talked a lot about this, but um, just what is your overall opinion of how this coaching staff is doing so far as opposed to last staff? Talked a lot about that, but yeah, it's uh, we, yeah, we, totally different. It's a totally different vibe. This is the best way to put it. If, if the players, which they have been because I see it, if the players are excited – and are smiling when they run when they're running out to practice and chest bumping each other. That's that alone should answer that question because there's there was like when I was walking out to practice, I was moping and I loved football. I loved football with all my heart and I still do. But you know, you can find guys like that who just love the game to the very very you know inch of their life. And if someone makes it not fun, eventually you're not gonna like it. And so there was times where I was like, do I really like football? Which is tough. And it's it was hard for me to swallow, and so, and I know I wasn't the only player who felt like that. So the fact that you could see the guys who really want to be there and they're excited to be at practice, you know, they're playing good music, they're dancing, they're having fun. But when it's time to focus, they're focused and they're making plays when they need to make the plays. That just shows you what the staff has done to this honestly broken team because there's people who didn't know if they wanted to transfer. There's people who didn't know yeah. if they still wanted to play, if they should retire, like what they there should were guys, do. Yeah, there were guys saying that they just were going to be done. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Like the fact that the last staff was taking the life out of a, of a kid who just loved the game so much and put so much into it. And now it's like rejuvenated. Like they brought him back to life. <laughs> it's huge. I love it. So uh, that's the biggest thing with the staff. They just – they brought it back. That's all I can say. <laughs> okay, well, here's a, here's a good one on Twitter. Daniel Devaney asks, where will we see the biggest improvement in this team from the coaching compared to last year? Fundamentals. What, what's your fundamentals? fundamentals. Okay, I, I'm, and O-line. Smart, yeah. I think O-line's going to be a big improvement, and I do think fundamentals on defense, Yeah, the, especially linebacker. Yeah, I was going to say fundamentals on defense. Yeah, linebacker and defensive backs, understanding their assignments, being smart football mm-hmm. players, Knowing being able to tackle, being able to tackle, wrap up. and yeah, I'm not gonna go as far as saying that it's gonna be obviously a complete 180 flip, but you do want to see, like, I think we will see it because what I have seen, I, is I was gonna say, I don't, so think that's, much. I don't think that's bold, Marcus, because what we saw from defense last year, we saw players that didn't even know what, what they were, they looked like they had no idea what they were supposed to do, yeah, and their uh, assignment, a perfect example, they were playing scared, yeah, is Portland State. 
Obviously, you should blow out Portland State by 50 every single time. If you if you go talent to talent for talent, obviously Oregon State is way better. But what did Portland State do? They knew their assignment. So when it came to inside zone, Portland State's defense knew where to be and they would stop it. When it came to Oregon State, when Portland State, you know, they throw in a wide receiver at quarterback, which is ridiculous. They throw him a wide receiver <laughs> at quarterback and he's rolling and he's out. Right. And he's throwing out he's rolling out outside the pocket and he's just bombing these post routes. And Oregon State didn't know what to do. They didn't know what assignment. Some guys were in cover two. Some guys were in God knows what. I don't know. Prevent? I don't know. (laughs) They're in two (laughs) completely different things. And so as long as the guys, I think that's the biggest improvement really, is just you'll see them understand their assignment and and be smart football players because that's huge. Um, Um, A follow-up from from Daniel Devaney, a PT Blazer fan. Can you give an update on the status of recruiting for the quarterback in 2019? Are they targeting anyone for the position, or are they passing on the position until 2020? Um, there's a couple guys. I, I don't think Marcus will probably address this one because we follow recruiting at Blitz. Um, you know, Oregon State's lost out on a couple of guys that they initially had, had gone after. The 2019, as far as across the country, is a really down year for quarterbacks. There's just not that many really exceedingly awesome quarterbacks. Um, there are a couple guys that are, wa- that are going to be watching um, this EGET out of Western EGET out of uh, SoCal is one that they kind of have on their radar. But right now, I mean, if I'm them, I am banking that, Scholar. You already have a bunch of young guys with with Willard and Blount and Coletto. Um, and they have also have Nick Moore, Matt Moore's little brother. So um, you have a group of underclassmen already in the mix. Spread that out, and then 2020 has a lot bigger pool of top tier quarterbacks to choose from what uh angie what's like when it comes to recruiting at least under understanding it really what do the guy like what do the guys who rate players with the stars really look like because i know i one time i went off about it (laughs) and i didn't really understand it um but i'm really just curious like how they rate it do they rate it by like size speed because obviously to be completely honest, and a lot of people don't really understand it because they're so focused on the stars, you can be a five-star guy, and this is just from a player's perspective, you can be a five-star guy, and then as soon as you get to camp, you have to understand the coaches don't really give a damn. Like, yeah, if, you're yeah. not, if you're not focused and you're not doing what you should do, you can be the number one recruit in the country and you're not going to play, you're not going to see the field, right? So that's And I think that's what we've seen a lot with Christian Wallace, and I think now we're starting to see him actually play because he's understanding what he's supposed to do. But I think he came into camp thinking, you know, I was so highly recruited. This coaching staff talked to me like I was basically the best player who's ever going to come to Oregon State. And then come fall camp, he didn't understand his assignment. And so they're like, well, sorry, man, I don't give a damn. Like, you're not going to play. And that's really mm-hmm. how it is. So how do they how do they rate that kind of stuff? Yeah, so the star system and, and you know, they're, they're different. I mean, they're but pretty – I mean – it's, you know, I, I feel that 24-7 has the best staff of analysts anywhere. You know, they have great biggins, Brandon Huffman, Blair Angulo, just on the West Coast. So um, three really well-respected. They've done it a long time. Uh, Twenty like For five stars, you're looking at the top 25 to 30 players across the nation. That's it. Um, and it's it's kind of everything. It's, it's all around, but those guys that are five stars already – pretty much have the body of a college player. You know, okay, they, yeah. they're fully developed. They're fast. Um, you know, whereas a three-star might be a more developmental guy, you know, might need to add some weight, you know, 
so you usually have like the top 25 to 30 are five stars. Then the next, you know, into like maybe 125, 100, or, you know, the next 75 to 100 are going to be four stars. Um, and then you go to three stars, two stars. So um, really the, it's, it's, it's a lot of guys that are kind of ready to come in and play right away are your five stars. I mean, the guys that, yeah. Are ready to come in and just take a position, and you know that's you see. I mean, the pe- I love people that say stars don't matter. Well, they kind of do yeah. when you look at like look at Alabama. Yeah, right. Sorry. They they're get five stars, and, and those guys yeah, are developed. They're, they're, they're like retired, grown yeah. men. <laughs> they're grown men. They're ready to come in and play. Yeah. immediately. So um, those are the types. So that those are those types. Oregon State is going after the three stars that. You know, a high three star is there's no knock on that. There's it's not like they're a bad player. They just maybe need a little more development as far as maybe a little weight added to them, um, those kind of things. And then you know you throw out the window the guys that it, it's getting less and less now. But you know back ten years ago, twelve years ago when I first started in this business, you know there weren't all these seven on seven leagues, and yeah. it was it was a Nike camp that guys would go and get you know, get all their measurables done um, at the Nike camp. They'd run the 40, they'd do some drills, and that's a lot of how the ratings were, and then high school games. Now you have the seven on. I mean, there's no guy that's really, unless you're living in a complete under a rock, there's not the as many of these diamonds in the rough under the radar guys. Yeah. Because everybody's playing seven on now. They're all going to camps of, of some kind. There's, you know, there's an Adidas camp. There's the... There's Under Armour camps. There's yeah. Nike and, camps. And at those camps, they're they're playing against you know obviously some of the highest rated guys, which is, exactly yeah, which exactly. is good competition so, for sure. And I think that's that's where you can rate them as well. And that's where you can really rate them too, yeah. exactly, because you might have a especially like Hawaii has gotten a lot better. I feel in the in the ratings because a lot of times in Hawaii you would have you know Oregon State would say they got a diamond in the rough because they sog hid and but you know they were able to project the competition might not be as strong across the board in Hawaii. Whereas, you know, you're down in the LA league, right in the LA city league. And those guys are battling day in, day out. And they're very talented players and have yeah. been playing since they were, you know, four. So, yeah. um, ratings in general have gotten it, yeah. better. Yeah. And I know, I know people will say like stars don't matter. They, you know, they don't, when you get on campus, you're right. You, and that's, that's one thing, you know, Oregon state, in my opinion, is the type of school that, recruits the top, the you know three mid to high three stars which are solid players solid contributors could be solid players in the Pac-12 um, and maybe every year to you know get one or two four stars in the mix a Brandon Cooks and Isaac Samalo um, you know some of those guys that can really kind of you know help yeah. boost your class was, uh, but sorry is was oh, I, Isaiah Hodgins was he a four star he I think he was. I mean, and it, and it changes throughout because there's reevaluation. So yeah. I don't know if he was when he actually signed, but yeah, he was at one point a four star recruit. And see stuff like that. That's uh, what I really see. A player like Isaiah Hodgins is what exactly I think should most obviously highly rated players be like. Not yeah, the fact yeah. that like talent wise, you know, obviously if you're talented, you're talented. But when he got to campus, he went straight to work. There was no, there was no look at me. I'm a four star guy. He came in. And he didn't say one word about that, which I thought was. But that's huge. what Oregon State needs, yeah. right? Because Oregon State can't have the egos, the players, because they're going to need everybody to contribute. And that's where someone like a Brandon Cook, a four-star player, or an Isaac Samalo, they don't care. Yeah. You go to some programs, honestly, I, I've seen it down south at Oregon, and you get the guys that are highly rated, and and you get that prima donna. And it's not just Oregon; it's, it's other schools as well. So, 
as as you start to recruit better players, that's where the culture of the program has to really kind of take over and, and not allow that to happen because that can change the dynamics so quickly if you start thinking guys start thinking they're better than than they are or think they're better well, than well and that's why you have someone like coach smith who was and that's the what was it, the low ego high output that's huge yeah, like exactly. people don't it's understand huge. how big that is because like i said i was recruited to oregon so when i go down when i went down to oregon for a visit right and i get told listen we can get any talent we want like we're not worried about if you commit here or not but if you want to be a part of us and have that swag and have all this uniform and have all this flash, then do it. And that's kind of how they sell you because you're like, well, okay, you said that. I, well, I don't want to not win, obviously, and I do not want to, you know, not think I'm the best player out there, right? And all the players that I know that played at U of O, they told me kind of the same thing. It's like, listen, man, we're the best of the best out here. Okay, well, if you're the best of the best, why aren't you winning the national championship every time, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's – and you obviously have to have an ego – at some point, you know, you need to have yes. that swagger. You need to have that chip, but there needs to be when you have someone like Chip Kelly, you know, feeding you all this. You are like you're the best player out here. Then you're going to buy into it, and then when you have all those egos collide, it's just not going to work out. And so that's yeah, why, and, and it does. I mean, yeah. it does sometimes. It, that, that's where the coaching staff, though. Whereas at Oregon State, that's not what they're about. It's not about ego. It it is. It's about working together, and that's someone like Brandon Cooks. Being able to say, you know, US, UCLA is my dream school, but the offense that they're changing to and the, you know, the distractions that are around L.A. Yeah. are not going to help me reach my goals. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's different. Um, like I said, I, do I think the star, I, I happen to like the stars um, just because it helps, I think, fans understand maybe oh, a little yeah, bit yeah, better. Definitely. But I, Oregon State fans need to be, you know, I, to me, I would be ecstatic if Oregon State was a thirty to uh, had a recruiting class by the end of the year ranked thirty to forty. That's kind of where they're going to be, and um, with the development that the staff can do, I, I just see that you know that's going to it could take them places. Yes, they don't need to go out and get, and they're not. There's no way they're going to go out and get one of the top twenty five guys in the country every year. It's, it, it's not going to happen. So, you know, even winning national champions, I don't championships. I don't see Oregon State you know, recruiting the type of players year in and year out, like, you know, getting 10 five stars, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But so it's just, and it's just kind of how you play the game. Obviously Oregon uh, understood that before a lot of people, you know, they understood that the flash is how to get kids now. I mean, almost got me um, just, you know, it's the flashy things. Now it's social media. It's how it all goes. Honestly, you know, not a, pe- not a lot of people like to say it, but it's really how it goes. You know, if you get, you know, Oregon coaches tweeting out, oh, look look what we got. We have all this. You know, the kids take pictures sitting on that Oregon throne, and then they like to post them, stuff like that. They get all the hype. But how many of those players do you remember, obviously, when it comes time to play in the fall time? None, right? Yeah. Not none, yeah. but, you know, because Oregon has great athletes. I'm not bashing on them, but it's just, like I said, Oregon understood the curve a lot quicker than a lot of other places. Anyways, yeah. Angie, do you have another question for us? Um, Let's see here. Um, Here... Uh, well, it's the same guy, PT Blazer fan. There's a couple other ones here. Um, I'm just looking here. Well, um, William Scholten asks about quarterbacks, and we just answered that one. Um, here's one. What do you, where do you believe the chance? What do you, where do you believe are the chances Beavers or Giles Jackson picks the Beavers? He's a, a four star running back. Um, Oregon State is in his top, you know, six or whatever he has five six. He did visit unofficially. 
Um, I, I just don't think he ends up be a beaver. I think Michigan has a, has a pretty good chance landing him. Oregon's in the mix. Um, but he'd be big if Oregon State was able to pull him. But right now, my gut's telling me not going to be a beaver. Jeez, that's, that's a little heartbreaking to hear, Angie. That's okay. Can't, There's other guys, though. It's not, you can't, can't lie to the fans. I understand. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I mean, like I said, he, there's a chance. He hasn't committed yet. But um, I, I know the, the experts out there feel that or, uh, Michigan has a pretty good shot with him. So um, well, I, actually have, I actually have a question, Angie. And Beeb's recruiting um, asked as well. I know we talked a little bit about, obviously, recruits. I don't really know who's a great recruit in Oregon right now just because I haven't really been following it. But um, the question is, any other in-state 2019 prospects you think the Beavs can land? In-state? Well, they've kind of got the best ones right now. Yeah. I mean, I love that tight end out of Ben. He, uh, okay. Musgrave, of, is really good. Yeah, he is really good. Um, he actually really tra- like he trashed my high school the other day. He, well, not the oh, no. Last season, yeah, he, he definitely killed him. But that's okay. Maybe I should give him a bad rating, but no, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, Angie, any last thoughts that we have? Maybe any one last topic before we go, or is there anything you really want to talk about? Uh, I'm just excited for week two. You yeah. know, I, I think that this is um, there's a lot, a lot to take. You know, I what I what I'm excited to see now is how the team responds and what the coaches do because you know we can watch all you know the scrimmage, but what's the, the fun for I think for fans and for me at least being kind of a football geek is watching what the staff does now after going in and watching all that film mm-hmm, and exactly. breaking down what they saw and, you know, coming up with, okay, wow, the team's doing this really, really well, but they're really needing to work on this. This is what we're going to focus on. Okay. So yeah, seeing what huge. they focus on today, you know, practice is open today for uh, media. So Amy will be there. Um, and I'm anxious to hear what they, what they really work on today. Well, and that's the thing. You just want to see, once they watch the film, the biggest thing is having the players not only understand where they went wrong or if they went wrong, but understanding how they... How to can, fix it. Yeah, how to fix it, and that's a big step for Coach Smith. I'm excited to see it. I think week two is going to be a good one. But hopefully by the end of the week, we can kind of get a picture of who's the first string, second string, starting quarterback, hopefully. I know that keeps a lot of people on edge. Um, and really any other people who... Obviously, you just want to go and take a spot because I think all the spots are open right now, as Coach Smith has said. I think it's going to be a good one. The competition's heating up. I really like it. Angie, another episode of the damn podcast. is It was great. Obviously, we got a little sidetracked with recruiting. It sounded like I got a little bitter for a second, but I didn't. I promise everybody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was because I wasn't. Highly recruited. Maybe it wasn't. I, I wasn't a five star. I'm just playing. I don't really care. But no, but it's fun, and I I, I love that uh, we're getting the interaction. I, I think that uh, this is your second podcast, Marcus. Good yeah, job. I appreciate it. everyone. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, Angie, another episode in the in the books. I look forward to. I don't know why I told everyone Wednesday next week or last week. I don't know why. I said we're Monday. That. Yeah, Monday we are Mondays. From going forward, Monday is the damn podcast day. So yes, and everyone, um, please and Marcus, get your questions. I love the questions. Yes, they actually questions are good. Yeah, and Marcus, I will see you Thursday down at practice. <sighs> is it going to be hot? Do I want to go? It's going to be hot. Uh, it's going to be hot. Uh, all right, it's all right. All right, everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of the damn podcast with your hosts Marcus Greaves and Angie Machano. Everybody, we will be back on Monday. Go Beavs. Go Beavs.